has been a blessing and I thank Koday. We've been hanging out for three days in a row. And uh, it's our third night of culmination and <clears throat> I won't take my time tonight. Amen. And uh, work through a couple things. Where's my Bible? Amen. Thank you. Amen. And work through some things on tonight and just real quick, I just do want to just recognize a couple people. Uh, good friend, Pastor Kyle Chapman, uh, for being here on today. Praise God for him. So good to see my good friend, Minister Ted King, in the house. Hallelujah. My brother in the gospel, Elder Tracy Thompson, and his wife. So great to see you guys. Hallelujah. And my good old friend. Amen. He coming home. Amen. That's what I've been praying. I pray Elder Taylor, come on home. Elder Sanford Taylor. Amen. We thank God for him being here on tonight. Uh, I also want to uh, recognize uh, Sister Lorianne Lane uh, just for all of her efforts. Amen. She's sitting at the table right now. Uh, also, Alicia Johnson. Amen. We thank you. Uh, and we thank uh, Vanetta Presley. Amen. We had a false alarm. We thought that the Junior was going to be born today. I think Neil got the praying. He said, uh, I got to be at church tonight. You know, a prophet get the praying, everything get clogged up. Everything gets stopped. Amen. So he stopped his Junior from coming. Amen. Hallelujah. But it's on its way. Um, we also want to thank God for our praise dancers who have danced every night. And uh, Brother Barry, music. Amen. Barry has done Barry has done the organ and the computer and the sound. Uh and it, he didn't do you do the drums this week? No, he didn't do drums this week. Amen. The who flyers, yes, Barry does it all. Amen. So we thank God for Barry. Um and also to the ministerial staff here. Uh thank God for uh Prophet Presley and Minister Brown for being on post. Uh and also for the Parkers. Thank God for Pastor Parker. She gave her two they teach them prior to the conference uh, on some things. Amen. Uh, so we just think, and of course to all of you, brothers and sisters uh, in Christ, so good to see everyone. Uh, and I do appreciate your uh, diligence and your faithfulness, and I pray that it, you feel like it, that you don't feel like it was a waste of time. Amen. But that you got what you needed. Amen. All right. So let's hear. Let's see what we got here and get to work. All right. So the last two uh, nights, well, you know, conference is called the power of the kingdom in the church uh, and uh, you know, so we started on Wednesday night <clears throat> just uh, laying the foundation of God's idea when he how why he made the earth God didn't create the earth because he wanted to flex and show off how good he was he created the earth because he wanted to duplicate what was going on in heaven um, so then he uh, created the earth and we know that he gave man dominion uh, the Bible says over every living creature, every fish of the sea, he gave him dominion so uh, that if anything was going to get done on the earth, it was going to get done through man. Uh, but we do also understand that before Adam was made, Adam was created. We understand in the book of Job, the Bible says that the angels were formed. They were created first. Uh, and you, we all know that Satan was an angel. He was a cherub and an archangel. And uh, we understand that he led a revolt against God. 
in heaven and God cast him down here upon the earth. Um, and he, the Revelation chapter 1, 1, I believe it is, lets us know that he has the keys to the bottomless pit. Uh, and in this bottomless pit, the abyss, the waters, uh, are the demons that he uses to, to oppress uh, the people of God. Uh, but we do understand that God did show that he was greater than Satan, even though Satan tried to destroy his kingdom by making, making man. Man, the Bible says, is lower than the angels. So he made something in a lower form than Satan, but yet gave him the ability to rule over Satan. Uh, we talked about how Satan, anytime that Satan is fighting us uh, on this platform on earth, he's always going to lose. Amen. He's always going to lose because he, God gave us the authority through Jesus Christ. He gave us the authority. So every time the enemy comes against us, the Bible says we have to stand against him. Amen. Uh, we talked a little bit on Wednesday night about we are not made to fight the devil. Hallelujah. I know you hear this foolish talk sometimes. Folks talking about swinging on the devil and all that other foolishness. That's a mess. Amen. You weren't created to fight an angel. Amen. Satan is stronger than you, but however, he, 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 uh, you, he doesn't have dominion over you. We have dominion over him. Amen. And so all we have to do is just stand against them. And the Bible says in James, resist the devil and he will what? flee. Last night we picked up uh, about um, how uh, God waited 4,000 years to bring Jesus to the earth. 4,000 years between Adam and Jesus. 4,000 years between Genesis and Matthew. Uh, and he waited 4,000 years to bring uh, Jesus to the earth because he was waiting for a model. Because like I said last night, that every demonic a model or every demonic uh, uh, kingdom or strategy is always be is always going to be replaced by a kingdom model, and God was just waiting for a kingdom to rise up that looked like that looked like His kingdom to prepare His people for His message. So what I mean is that Rome, unlike any other the um, of the nations that rose up and and uh, took Israel captive did something different. They didn't take Israel out of their own land into their place. They went to where Israel was and they, what I like to use the word, colonized Israel. They turned Israel into Rome. And that is exactly what the kingdom of God is. God expects us to leave. We come from another country and he expects us to colonize wherever we are, to influence wherever he puts us. Amen. So because the people of God, that because the Jews were used to kingdom language, he was able to send the prophet with a message, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And they understood the message. They understood it. And they, like I said, they, they left their homes of comfort. They left shade. And they went out into the wilderness to hear a man preach one single message every time. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. We talked about how Jesus uh, came to be baptized of John and how baptism is not water. Uh, if we look at the word baptism uh, in its original language, it, it connotes that uh, it's a form of submission. So anytime, so like I said, the Herodians baptize. Uh, Aristotle had followers. He baptized. So a lot of people baptize. Anytime you submitted yourself to somebody's belief or somebody's teaching, they baptized you. Amen. Uh, so, we, so we understand now that, uh, that uh, John the Baptist baptized Jesus because Jesus submitted himself to John's message. Amen. He submitted himself to John's message because after Jesus was baptized, went into the wilderness, the Bible says he came back and he preached the same message John preached. 
Talked about how focused Jesus was. Jesus did not get sidetracked and start preaching his own thing, but he began to preach exactly what the Father sent him to preach. And we understood, we looked at the uh, woman at the well who represented Israel and uh, Gentiles and Jews because she was a Samaritan woman, and, and Samaritans are mixtures of Gentiles and Jews. And so how she was a prototype of the church. And so how when Jesus met the woman at the well, he met his bride at the well. Amen. And uh, how he told her that she had, you know, five husbands and the one that she was living with wasn't hers. And I, I began to explain about, uh, you know, the five, uh, the six uh, nations that came and took Israel captive and how she was a, a replica of the church and the Jews, like I said, Jews and Gentiles. And how what God, what Christ was really saying it was a foreshadow of his grace and mercy and how he was going to save the church. Amen. And so, so now we understand that, you know, once again, I said Christ preached a kingdom message. He didn't preach water baptism. He didn't even preach the cross. He preached the kingdom. Amen. Amen. I get that tape because I said a lot last night and I'm just trying to run through it. And so now here we are in 2012. And uh, one thing you understand, 12 is God's number for government. We are in the year of God's government. This is the year that God is going to start straightening out his church. He has already started. If you notice, starting from this year, there is going to be a shift in the next 10 years of leadership. A lot of the old uh, pastors and preachers are going to start dying. They have already started dying and there's going to be a whole another wave of leadership coming. And this year is going to start the year when God's going to begin to apostolically through apostolic authority begin to restructure the church to what it originally was supposed to look like in the scripture. And, and so we are in a church, we are in a great time. Uh, and also a sad time because many of our matriarchs and patriarchs we're going to prepare to bury, but yet they're going to leave mantles behind. Hallelujah. That are going to be picked up. Am I making sense in here? So God is going to restore his government back, and this is very important because we understand that in Isaiah 9, chapters, uh, chapter 9, verse 6, the Bible says uh, that unto us a son is given, uh, born unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the Bible says, and the government shall be on his shoulders. And so we have to understand in, in the book of Colossians, the Bible says that God, or that Christ is the head of the church, the head of the church, and we are the body, Amen. And so when they say that the government is going to be on his shoulders, a head doesn't have uh, shoulders, but a body does. So what the script Isaiah is saying is that the government of God is going to be on the back of the church. Hallelujah. So that means that it's, up, it's our responsibility to carry the government of God upon our shoulders. Am I making sense in here? So, so we have to understand now is that what's going to happen is God is starting to create a whole new atmosphere on this earth. Now, we have to understand now that, that, that Satan created an atmosphere upon this earth. Uh, when he tried to uh, take a, have a revolt against heaven, he started a whole new atmosphere in heaven and on earth. And, and God had to come and he had to bring man, the Bible says, to cultivate the ground. To cultivate the ground. That means to create a culture. He had to try to reculturize the, the, uh, the earth because of what Satan has done. Amen? 
So we have to understand now that we always speak about atmospheres, but an atmosphere is a response to spiritual influence. It's a response to spiritual influence. So whatever spirit is influencing is what is going to create the atmosphere. What atmosphere is going to be created. Amen. If a spirit of pride is going to create an atmosphere of pride. If it's a spirit uh, of, uh, you know, of anger, it's going to create an atmosphere of anger. Amen. Uh, so we have to understand that whatever spirit, amen, there is, whatever stronghold there is, it's going to create that atmosphere. Am I making sense in here? So we have to understand now that, that, um, that the atmosphere is created in the firmament. Now we understand that the firmament, the Bible says that Satan is the prince of the air. All right. Now firmament, another word for air is firmament, the firmament. And the firmament is the place, the only place in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, that God did not bless. God did not bless it because he knew Satan was the principality over it. Am I making sense in here? So since Satan is the prince of the air, Satan has the ability to create satanic atmospheres in this planet, on this planet, in this world, in the church, amen, in our homes. It's satanic, it's satanic atmospheres, and we have to combat the satanic atmospheres that Satan has tried to create because, listen, an atmosphere creates a climate, and a climate that is sustained creates a stronghold. Am I making sense? And a stronghold over a region creates a culture. And culture creates behavior. We have a problem in this area. We have a few issues in this area. One of the issues in this area is violence. The enemy has created a culture of violence because of the antichrist that is in this atmosphere. Hallelujah. And so what we have to understand, church, is that the battle on the streets is not against us. If you look, it's straight, strictly the Antichrist. All the people that's doing the shooting and killings are Muslims. Oh, amen. It is a, every person that gets killed is a Muslim funeral. Hallelujah. And that's the truth. Because they're creating an atmosphere. And I witnessed that a couple weeks ago when I went walking out there. And the Lord convicted me of that. But amen. We don't talk about that. But, 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 but he, the enemy is creating an atmosphere and it's causing people to kill themselves. It's, it's actually causing Islam to fight against themselves. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, and so we understand another uh, atmosphere that's created in this place, in this area, is, a, is tradition. This area is highly traditional. Y'all ain't going to talk to me in this room. If you take a ride, some of the biggest churches that's fit, that, that seat about five to 800 folks are all traditional churches, Methodist, Baptist, uh, Lutheran, all, all the huge Catholic, huge churches, but they're all empty because God has shifted the atmosphere. I'm not making sense in this room. And so now, you know, a church that fits five to six hundred that is traditional can't find folks in it. Oh, y'all not going to talk to me in this room. And that's because God is shifting the atmosphere because he is bringing people out of tradition. Am I making sense in this room? It's not cutting it anymore to keep talking about we're just going to, uh, you know, just going to keep on uh, doing things the old way. It's not cutting it no more to say we're just going to sing our favorite hymn and leave. It's not cutting it no more uh, just to say we're going to say a little prayer and then uh, three points in the conclusion. It's not cutting it anymore because Satan has released demons upon this earth more now than he's ever been before. And so there has to be a, a, it has to be a kingdom model that's going to stand against the satanic atmosphere that is in this area. 
Am, am I making sense in this room? Uh, another, another reason, and, and I thank God for Pastor Parker for this, another reason why it's so hard to do ministry in this area, and this area is so uh, hard to, to work the ground, is because we live near the water. Amen. We live near the water, and we have to understand that uh, in, the book of, uh, in the book of Revelations, when you read about the beasts, where do they come out of? The water. We have to understand that these demons, and there's a lot of, uh, there is a, what they call a marine kingdom that lives in the water, and these are the demons, these are uh, imps, these are where they reside. And any place that is surrounded by water ha has an atmosphere of demonic activity. Am I making sense in this room? Also, the queen of the coast rules. And this is why it's hard to do ministry. This is why it's hard to get those prostitutes off the street. This is why it's hard for the cops to do the right thing. That's why it's hard for the school boards to do the right thing. That's why it's hard for people to be honest around here, for the pastors to do the right thing. Because there's an atmosphere that has been created by demons. Amen. You ain't got to say amen if you don't want to. And so, so we have to understand as the body of Christ, as the church, the only thing that's going to break this atmosphere or change this atmosphere at this season is apostolic anointing. Now, I'm going to break that down and why I say that. Amen. Amen. Uh, and this is not, I don't mean apostolic by, in, in terms of uh, denomination. Amen. Now, I'm going to get to that in a minute and let you know what I'm talking about. All right. So now, so now but, but our job as a church is we have to pray to change the atmosphere. But our prayers have to be strategic. The Bible talks about praying amiss. Am I making sense in here? See, the less we know, the more easy it is for, for the enemy to fool us. And so, so we have to be strategic, not only what we pray, but when we pray. There are certain hours in the day, and I want to give you this. If you write them down, please, if you have a pen and paper. There are, there are times and seasons when our prayers and certain prayers are going to hit the atmosphere and be able to change them. And it's important that we pray the right prayer at the right time. Am I making sense in here? Because God is a God of seasons and times. He said as long as the earth remains, there's going to be seed, time, and harvest. Amen. All right, so now. Eight, eight, uh, let me see, there's, there, there are prayer times, there's eight prayer watches in a day, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. That watch is to set yourself to see what God will say to you. You can get that in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1. There's a 9 a.m., the 12 midday prayer, that's for God's redemptive purpose in your life and region. Amen. There's 12 midday to 3 p.m., gives an hour of rest and a time to seek the Lord. 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. sees the close of the business day. 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. is a time where you can release your future. 9 p.m. to 12 midnight is a time of visitation and acts of change. 12 midnight to 3 a.m., much spiritual activity, watching enemy makes plans against you and your family. Some of y'all can attest to this. When the enemy attacks the, at the greatest, is always between 12 and 3 a.m. When those nightmares, he attacks us in dreams, he attacks us uh, by certain ways. It's always between that 12 midnight and that 3 a.m. So when God wakes you up, you need to be praying. Because the end, he only wakes you up to let you know that the enemy is making a plan against you and your family. This is how serious this is. 
All right, so now we have 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., and that is the angelic release. And that's when we can pray for angels to release certain things. So we have to understand that. And so in order to change the atmosphere, we must pray. Amen? So we have the authority to change the atmosphere to a kingdom atmosphere by using, by using uh, keys. By using keys. Amen? Now, I want you to understand something. I want to give you right here the kingdom model for the church. All right? Just give me a couple minutes and we'll run through this. Matthew 28, 18. Turn with me if you can. 28.18. The Bible says in Matthew 28.18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. All power has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. So Christ is letting us know that he has all power and authority. Not the devil, not even us, but him. The Bible says it was given to him. All power has been given to me. Therefore, when we have to access power to do kingdom work, it refers, it has to come from Christ. I'm making sense. All right. So Jesus said, I have all the power. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, 18 to 22. Chapter 2, 18 to 22. It says here, for through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father, referring to Christ. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundations of the apostles and prophets Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are built together for inhabit for inhabitation of God through the Spirit. The Bible says that the church is built on apostles and prophets. It's not my gospel. That's what the Bible says. Paul's saying that the church, so there's an issue if you're in a church and don't see an apostle. There's an issue. According to the scripture, the Bible says that the church are, is built upon the apostles and prophets and Jesus Christ himself uh, the chief cornerstone amen y'all see that there all right now let's go to first Corinthians chapter 12 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 28 The Bible says, and God has set some, we're at, in the church. And God has set some in the church. He says, first who? Secondarily, prophets. Thirdly, teachers. After that, miracles. Then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities, and tongues. The Bible says, apostles 
first. Then, once again, prophets. This is the kingdom model that Paul is saying how the church should be set up. It has to have an apostolic authority, and it has to have a prophet. How else, how else can we know what God's next move is on the earth without a prophetic voice? You don't see God doing anything upon this earth without first letting the prophet know. Oh, man. Amen. It says here, and I know, you know, um, you know we, we, we have formed our churches, amen, uh, administration first. We think administration is, is the most important part. So we, we get all these people doing administrative works and we got to get flyers and we got to get this and we got to get that and we got to get all this. And if we don't have a, an apostle and a prophet in the house, we are out of order. How can we break? How can we change our community? The Bible says that we have to, we have to understand one thing is that if we're going to change this community, we got to change the atmosphere. Hallelujah. And the atmosphere is going to be changed through the five-fold ministry because the Bible says the five-fold is what equips and what perfects the saints. But because of the tradition that we're used to, will come, well, these scriptures are never, I've, I've been in church all my life, traditional churches all my life, never heard these scriptures. Never heard them. And of course, when I first saw it, I'm like, what? what is no I skipped over it because it doesn't make sense. I ain't know about no uh, apostle or a prophet, you know. The only thing I knew about a prophet, everybody talking about a false prophet. That's all I talk about, false prophets, false prophets. But no, there are a, a prophets of God. Amen. Amen. And this is how he wants us to set up his kingdom. And this is the shift that is happening. The government of God is being restored. Hallelujah. Let's go to Titus chapter 1. It's Paul writing again. Hallelujah. Titus chapter 1. It says right here, Titus chapter 1, verse 5 says, For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. He says to ordain elders in every city. Why? Because there were needs. There were wantings. There were things that were lacking. The Bible says that Paul told Titus to ordain elders in every city. We can't get involved in pastoring churches. We're supposed to pastor cities. And this is the reason why the cities, our cities are going the way they're going because people are too concerned about their church. When the Bible says here that Paul's told Titus to ordain elders in every city. We can't change the atmosphere if you're just concerned about what's going on in your four walls. You, you can't change this atmosphere if you're just concerned about what's going on in your denomination. And you're running here and there for the denomination, but your city is in ruins. 
He said that because of the wanting that is in the city, I have to appoint elders. Hallelujah. Now I see that. All right. So now we have to understand that God, this is the model, this is the structure, this is the apostolic model that God is referring to. Once again, I'm not talking about the nomination, I'm talking about the scripture. This is what the Bible says needs to be in place in the church. Because the Bible says uh, that the oil flows from, from the head down. The Bible says he anoints my head with oil. He anoints the head with oil. And what happens is if he's anointing apostles... Because the Bible says that that's what's supposed to be. The, that's the first. That's the first. That's the first in the church. That's how his system is. He anoints the apostles, but the problem is there aren't people under apostles, so they're missing anointings. Am I making sense in here? And, and, oh my God. Okay. So what I'm, what I'm trying to say is that there always shall be a continual flow of oil when we're in position the way God has called us to be in. All right, I don't, you know, so, so we have to understand, I, I don't, I, you know, I, I used to, I used to, I used to, you know, be uh, to the point to where, you know, you felt like there was good Sundays and bad Sundays, you know, you, you know what I mean, but, but I, I'm just going to say this, that since we've been under apostolic anointing, there has not been a bad Sunday. I mean, y'all can attest to that. There has, not, there has not been a bad, and I'm not even talking about here, I'm talking about when I used to be a musician, you know, some Sundays were good, some Sundays you felt God, some Sundays you didn't, and you wonder, what is going on? And I, and I accepted that as a normal. I accepted God showing up. And see, the problem is, is that I don't want God to show up. He doesn't want to show up. He wants to dwell. That's what you said. I got that from you. He wants, he wants to dwell. He doesn't want to show up. He wants to dwell. So therefore, there has to be a place. Remember in the Bible, the Bible says that when Jesus was born, there was no room in the inn. Hallelujah. Why? Because there was a traditional holiday going on. Oh, y'all missing this. And because it was a traditional holiday, everybody was gathering to do their regular tradition and hear the Savior of the world being born, and he can't even find a place to lay at. And this is, this, this is what the issue is. And if we're going to change the atmosphere, if we're going to change the climate, we're going to have to shift to different dimensions. And, and we can't shift, my God, to different dimensions if there's no apostle. Now, you might disagree with that, but I'm going to use some scripture. Let's go to Matthew 16. Hallelujah. Matthew 16. <clears throat> now, there has to be shifting in, in atmospheres. There's, there's, we, have, we have access to atmospheres. And, and that is what causes miracles. If you notice in the Bible, uh, it, it says, and Jesus went preaching the kingdom. Several scriptures I read last night. And Jesus went preaching the kingdom and healed the sick. And Jesus went preaching the, the kingdom and performed miracles. And Jesus preached the kingdom, and those that were of palsy were healed. Every time the kingdom is preached, miracles happen. Am I making sense in this room? We can't settle, oh, Sister Betsy is sick, and, and all of us just, hmm. No, we got to begin to cast that spirit down, amen, that spirit of infirmity. We got to lay hands, for the Bible says in, in the book of James that if there be any sick among you, he said, call on the elders. Amen. And, they, and let them lay hands in the prayer of faith. So there, there has to be hands laid. I've been in places where there was controversy. Somebody laid a hand and ready to kick you out of the church. Nonsense. 
because we have became traditional and want to hold on to things that brought our mothers through but are not keeping us anywhere. It's putting us in bondage. Because there are people in our ministries that are dying prematurely because we don't lay hands. There are people in our ministry that are, are on drugs longer than they should be because we refuse to touch and agree. There are people that have gone through divorces in churches because folks refuse to lay hands on them and throw some oil on them and cast those demons out of them. And the church is dying. And we continue, we continue in our tradition making us feel comfortable as long as I feel comfortable. I'm fine. No power, but I'm comfortable. No change, but I'm comfortable. People are being shot right next door to me, but I'm comfortable. Long as they don't bother me. The devil is a liar. The Bible says wherever your feet shall try, that's where. That's the land that God has given. Wherever you put your feet at, say that piece of property belongs to me. This land belongs to me. This school belongs to me. This neighborhood belongs to me. This supermarket belongs to me. We have to take ownership through the blood of Jesus. We have to take ownership and stop allowing the enemy coming and dictating us what we're going to do. And we all scared, running to our homes. I'm not going to tell no more stories, my God. I remember I was in this one place and the bird flu came out. Or whatever flu came out, folks didn't want to shake hands no more. Nonsense! If anybody get the flu, we got the power of God to heal them. See, when you've seen God dissolve tumors, when you've seen God heal people of diseases, when you've seen, when you've seen people that have been in comas come back to life, you know that there's nothing that God can't do. And you no longer live in fear of dying. You never lo no longer live in fear of what's going to happen to you because you know that whatever's going to happen to me, God's got my back. Whatever I'm going to go through, God's going to bring me out. Whatever's going to happen, and if he doesn't bring me out, I'm still going to give him a praise. I'm still going to worship his name. I'm still going to serve him. I'm still going to be faithful unto death. Am I talking to anybody in this room that's got a made up mind? Matthew 16, the Bible says now that we, we want to talk about keys, open dimensions. Hallelujah. Keys, open dimensions. Matthew 16, y'all there? 13. We're going to start with 13. Keys, open dimensions. The Bible says here, Jesus asked him a question. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I am? I, the son of man. And he answered his own question. And they said, some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, and, or one of the other prophets, he saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter answered and said unto him, now one man answered, he asked the whole group, but one man answers. And now it becomes a dialogue between two people, Christ and Peter. He says, thou art Christ, Peter says, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Revelation comes from God, not studying. Now, I didn't say study. I didn't say not study. But I'm letting you know that revelation, if you're going to get anything, it's going to come from God. You got to seek his face. The Bible says that, 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 that Noah found grace in the eyes of God. You got to be so close to God, you can see his eyes. To hear his instructions. Am I making sense in here? All right, 18. And I say also unto them, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Do you see that there? 
The Bible says the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. But do you know that every year there's 600,000 churches shutting down? What is going on? When the Bible clearly states, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Why are we settling for position and title not doing the work? Because we have the authority. We have the power. All right. Here we go. And he says, uh, and I will give unto the, the Bible says what? Keys to the kingdom. He didn't say I'm going to give you keys to the earth or to the church, to the city. I'm giving you keys to the kingdom. So we, have, we know that everything we need is in the kingdom. Now, I want you to understand something. He is no longer speaking to Peter or to Simon. Am I making sense? He's no longer speaking to Simon Bar-Jonah. He's speaking to Peter. Because there's a name change in the mix there. Y'all saw that? He said, I'm calling you Peter now. He, he, and he said, I'm giving you, Peter, the keys to the kingdom. I'm not giving them to Simon Bar-Jonah. I'm giving them to Peter. The reason why he's giving them to Peter is because Peter was an apostle. Simon is a disciple. Y'all missing this already. He said, I'm changing your name and I'm giving you apostolic authority. Because I know the church is going to be birthed out of your message. You missing this? And I got to prepare you now. I got to give you the authority now so that when you open your mouth, even though you were weak once, you ain't even though you struggled in believing in me, even though you lied on me, even though you said you didn't know me, he said, I'm giving you keys knowing your faults, knowing your faults, knowing your issues. I'm giving you keys so that when you open your mouth, they won't hear he won't, you know, your lack of knowledge, but they'll hear the authority that I've given you. You're not going to talk to me in this room. And when he opened up his mouth, the Bible says, I believe that thousands upon thousands uh, uh, gave their souls to Christ because he gave them keys to the kingdom. And these keys are able to open up dimensions. You make it make sense. Dimensions. Dimensions. Now, we have to understand. Let's go to Exodus 28 for a moment. Exodus 28. Now, we understand that Jesus never proclaimed to be a priest. He, always, he, he, was, he said he was a king. But however, he did act as prophet, priest, and king. And so one thing we have to understand is there's, there's, there's something about the priestly garment that I want to show you. Touch your neighbor and say we're going to another dimension. Exodus 28. Exodus 28. I want to show you how, how what the priest used to do what the, the job of the priest was now given to the apostle I want to show you this now Exodus 28 y'all there at verse 31 it says here about the priest's garment it says and thou shalt make the robe of ephod and all of blue and there shall be a hole in the top of it and in the midst thereof it shall have a binding of woven work round about the hole of it as it were the hole of Habergian uh, that it be not rent, and beneath upon the hem of it thou shalt make pomegranates of blue and of purple and of scarlet around about the hem, and bells of gold between them round about. So he's he's so we have to understand on this in this robe between the bell and the fruit, there were fringes. There was the hem. All right. And now some the uh, some rabbis teach 
uh, this theory called the um, string theory. All right. Now, the string theory talks about uh, ten dimensions. Can I just give them to you for a moment? All right. Ten dimensions. We got faith, light, wisdom and knowledge, revelation and truth, power, life, kings, prosperity, healing and miracles, and worship and prophetic. And so what the Bible is saying is that uh, in this priestly garment, in between the, the fruit and in between the witness, because the bell was the witness, every time the, the priest walked, you knew, where they were, you knew they were coming because of the bell. So in between the fruit and the witness, there were dimensions, 10 dimensions. There, there was t- it was 10 dimensions. So, so now we understand uh, of that, that, that that was the priest, but now we understand that Christ gave that authority to operate in di- multi-dimensionally. He gave that authority to Peter. Am I making sense in here? So, so we have to understand. Now, one of the dimensions, the Bible, I mean, I, I just read to you right here, uh, talks about healing and miracles. So, so why else do you think when the woman had the issue of blood and she was pressing through the crowd and the Bible says she touched the hem? Y'all, y'all missing this. She touched the hem of his garment and so what actually she was able to do is she was able to go push. The Bible says that she pressed. She was able to press into another dimension. Y'all, y'all missing this. And when she pressed into the, the next, the, the other dimension, the Bible says her blood dried up. Some of us, the reason why we're still sick isn't because God hasn't healed us. It's because we refuse to press into the another, into the next. Y'all, y'all missing this. Dimension. We have the ability to travel dimensionally. You ain't going to talk to me in here. And the reason why there's so many people bound is because a lot of people don't understand that apostolic authority gives you the ability to travel through dimensions when you're preaching. We have too many people preaching one dimensionally. They're preaching in one dimension. They have exhausted that one dimension and they can't go anywhere else. And the people are suffering. You ain't going to talk to me in this room. The people are dying. The people are giving up on God simply because they can't move to the next dimension because they don't have the authority. Y'all missing this. They don't have the authority to get you where you need to go. So you got to travel here. You got to go there. You got to go to a conference five hours away from here trying to find something. No, you need to find an apostolic authority. Get under that and allow God to move you. To shift you. Am I talking to somebody in this room? They shift you dimensionally. Aren't you tired of being sick? Aren't you tired of being broke? Aren't you tired of shouting and dancing your husband act like a fool? Aren't you sick and tired of you coming to church a week, every week alone? You need to shift. You ain't going to talk to me in this room. It's time to push into the next dimension. Let's go to 1 Samuel 24. First Samuel 24. Saul was a priest. As wicked as he was. And we're about to read, we're about to read the account where David could have took his life. Should have took his life, if you ask me. 
1 Samuel 24, we're going to do verse 4. And the men of David said unto him, Behold the day of which the Lord said unto thee, Behold, I will deliver thine enemies into thy hand, that thou mayest do to him as it shall seem good unto thee. Then David arose and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe. So David had the opportunity to kill Saul, but didn't. Instead, he cut the hem of his garment. All right, all right. Now, now go with me. Look at, at Saul's response. Go with me now to 16. Y'all there? Same chapter, 24, but we're going to go to verse 16. The Bible says, And it came to pass when David had made an end of speaking these words unto Saul, that Saul said, Is this thy voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. He cried. And he said unto David, Thou art more righteous than I, for thou hast rewarded me good, where areas I have rewarded thee evil. And thou hast showed this day that thou hast dealt well with me. For as much as when the Lord had delivered me into thine hand, thou killest me not. For if a man find his enemy, will he let him go well away? Wherefore the Lord reward thee good for that thou hast done unto me this day. And now behold, I know well that thou surely shalt be the king. And that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in thine hand. Now let me explain something. When Saul woke up and saw David holding his authority. He began to weep. David didn't kill him. Instead, he took his, his power away from him. Because as long as Saul has that him, he had the ability, as wicked as he was, to travel dimensionally. Now read your Bible. Saul won many wars. He, he was an he was a, a, a awesome uh, strategist. He, 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 he won many wars. But, and as long as he had that him, he was able to travel dimensionally wickedly, though. So David knew that killing him wasn't going to transfer the authority. He realized that if I'm going to rule this kingship, if I'm going to be the king, I got to have the same authority to move dimensionally like him. You ain't going to talk to me in this room. So what he does, he doesn't kill, he doesn't take his life. He takes his authority from him. <laughs> so we have to understand now that our authority, our kingdom authority is, is, is more important than our life. And when Saul realized that he was alive but yet had no power, The Bible says he wept. He said, well, surely you're going to be the king now. I don't even have the authority to rule like I, like I, like I, like I can. I don't, read the rest of the scripture now. When you read the rest of the word, you see, king, you see Saul's kingdom slowly but surely after this falling. And more and more people began to get on David's side because they knew that David now had the authority. Am I making sense? Let's go now to the second Kings. Second Kings chapter four. So now I want you to understand that not only do we have, uh, you know, one of the other, other dimensions that we mentioned is prosperity. And so we have to understand is that when <clears throat> is that what we're seeing a lot of is we're seeing a lot of, of, uh, of uh, large buildings with high uh, mortgages and ministry can't be done. And we're shouting and dancing and when somebody comes to the church hungry, nobody wants to feed them. This is what we're experiencing. That we, we have large, large edifices, and now we got to charge a lot of money for anybody to use it. 
We we have we have we have we have large we have we have large buildings and, and, and everything and but but yet we can't help a family that's in need because we our, all of our money is going into paying bills. Budget cuts. So now you laying folks off that were depending on the ministry. Oh, you ain't gonna talk. This is happening. This is happening all over. I ain't talking about here. This is happening all over. Why? Because people are trying to get financial blessings instead of wealth transfers. And, and God is not about giving us a blessing. He wants, when it comes to wealth, because you have to understand, if I bless you with something, it's going to run out. Unless I continually bless you week after week, month after month. But when there's a transfer of wealth, the Bible lets us know the oil never ceases. All right, let's, let's, let's look at this here. Now, the prophet shows up. The Bible says here in uh, First Kings or Second Kings chapter 4, the Bible says, Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead, and thou knowest thy, that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditor is come to take, him, uh, to take unto him my two sons to be what bondmen. And Elijah said unto her, what shall I do for thee? Tell me what thou hast in thy house. Now he says, he asked two questions. He said, number one, what can I do for you? Because number one, Elijah had the money. He wasn't broke. He had the money to give to this woman. But he asked her two questions. He said, what do I have? What, what can I do for you? And what do you have in your house? Because what we, we have to understand is that when there's a wealth transfer, it's not about what I can give you to solve your immediate issue. It's about what I can give you to, to, to save your generation. Hallelujah. It's not about your immediate issue. It's about preserving and uh, it's about creating an atmosphere, a totally different atmosphere in your generation. All right, so the Bible says here that, uh, and he wrought evilness. Oh, no, where are we at? I'm sorry. All right, then he said, go borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, em empty vessels. He says, borrow not a few. That means borrow a whole lot. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and thou shalt pour out into all these vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So he tells, he tells the woman, he says, I want you to go borrow. I want you to go borrow some vessels from some friends. And I want you to take this small amount of insignificant oil. And I want you to fill these vessels with it. Now, our problem is, is that anytime there's time to do building projects or anything, we always want to run to the bank and get money. Amen. When in the Bible says that, you know, God has given us in the book of Exodus he's, or Deuteronomy, he said seven, Deuteronomy seven, he says, God has given us the power to get wealth. Amen. So, but, but naturally, in the world that we live in, in the system of the world, if we need money, we got to go borrow it. So now we have churches in debt. Now, how can we become free? The Bible says that the old no man. Ah, oh, come on. Now, I'm letting you know right now, I'm trying to get to that point. Amen. I got a couple more folks I got to pay off. Amen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I, I believe that the, what the Bible says, the Bible says, oh, no man but to love him. So, so, now, so now we have, we have ministry uh, that goes out and wants to get uh, huge loans. And then, and then so now we are in debt to the bank. And if, if anything ever happens to the bank, they can come get our property. Oh, amen. Well, you know, we got insurances, but amen. And if we don't pay that bill, they're coming to get us. 
So that creates anxiety. So now we got to do all these other things that are outside of the will of God to maintain this, to get this money, not to do more ministry, but to give to the bank. So the church technically doesn't belong to the church, it belongs to the world. Mm. Now listen, don't get me, now I'm not, listen, I'm not saying, listen, amen, you know, I'm not judging anybody. I'm not doing that. I'm just letting you know that God wants us to have a transfer of wealth. So what he's saying is that when there's a need, look in your house. See, what happens with us is we look at the people in our house and we look at the, I ain't got enough and I ain't, this person ain't got. We start, we start thinking because we think we know people's business or what's going on. But, but, but the prophet told her, he said, look in your house. What do you have sitting in your own house to use? Amen. Because he gives us power to get wealth. And the Bible says, she said, I ain't got nothing but a little oil. He told her, he showed her what to do with that oil and turned her into an entrepreneur. And that is what God is trying to do for the church. He wants the church to be entrepreneurs. He wants us to have the, he wants us to look like Eden to have multiple streams of income. There was like seven rivers coming into Eden, uh, coming into Eden. He, he wants us to have multiple streams of income. He wants us to be able to transfer wealth, not beg, not plead, not, am I making sense? Not having to go to a bank. I'm talking to people in here too, ready to start businesses. What do you have in your house? Don't negate what you have in your house because the world has a system. Yes, it does. And if we do things by the world, we'll get the world's reward. But the kingdom has a system that operates solely upon faith because without faith, it's impossible to please our king. So the Bible says, she shut the door upon her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. She closed the door. She closed the door on poverty. Amen. Because these are the two sons that are about to be taken away. So they, they, rec they represent lack and poverty and bondage. And she shut the door on them. Amen. She shut the door on them to save them. Amen. So she shut the door on them, the Bible says, and she began to pull the oil out. And it came to pass that when the vessels were full, that she said unto her son, bring me yet another vessel. And he said unto her, there is not a vessel more, and the oil stayed. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay the debt, and live thou and thy children of the, off the rest. So not only was she able to pay her bill off, but she was able to live for the rest of her life off of that oil. Y'all missing that. That's a wealth transfer. That's greater than a blessing. That, that's when God transfers riches from the kingdom into your bloodline. And not only does it bless you, but it blesses your children. It, it causes your children not to be, y'all ain't gonna talk to me here. Causes your children not to be in debt. This is the, the what this is the this is the these are the dimensions that we have access to. I was saying here a few few weeks ago that anytime you're in a church is in a building project, or anytime a church is trying to acquire a building, you know, that's greater than what they have, it stretches you. 
Amen. But if you're going to break that, that, that lack, that, that issue of poverty in your house, you have got to be stretched. The Bible says that there was a man with a withered hand. And we know the withered hand is a spirit, a spirit that causes people uh, not to uh, flourish. You know, uh, the spirit of the withered hand that causes people uh, to start businesses and they fail and to start certain things. And it seems like you can never get ahead. Amen. Amen. That's what the spirit of the hand does. So this man had the spirit. He had the withered hand. And the Bible told, said that Jesus, he didn't go and, he didn't go and, and, and you know, uh, spit on it. He, did, he didn't go and, and, and rub it or smack it. He told the man to stretch out your hand. And if we're going to break that poverty mindset, we've got the stretch. Am I making sense? We got to stretch our thinking. We got to stretch our faith. We have to stretch our prayer life. It is time because it's not that it's not accessible. It's that we refuse to stretch. We want to keep in the confounds of what we're used to. That's why the man in the pool of Bethesda, Christ asked him, will thou be made whole? And the man talking about he ain't got nobody to help him out. Making excuses on why the man can't be, I can't be here because nobody helps me. As soon as I get there, somebody pushes me out the way. And Jesus, I didn't ask you that. Huh? Because he was only looking at one way to be healed. And that's what tradition would do. It would cripple you and have you thinking about only one way that God can do this. When, when Christ is coming and he's bypassing that system and says, get up. Y'all missing that. I'm going to bypass what the doctors say, you're healed. I'm going to bypass what your credit score says and says you're rich. I'm going to bypass what you feel like and say you're strong. I'm going to bypass what your mother did and what your family did and call you prosperous. I'm bypassing all of that. When he shows up, he bypasses all of that. Thank you, Jesus. The prophet said now that, the, that to last night there's going to be abundance of rain. He said an abundance of rain. And we have to understand that one thing about an abundance of rain is that uh, anytime you, you, you hear about the word about rain, it means, uh, it means prosperity. Because there, there was a drought. There was a drought in the land and everything was drying up. There was, there was, no, there was no water. Nothing was being watered. So there was a drought in the land. And what had to happen was the Bible says that, that uh, Elijah heard the sound. Am I making sense? And by what he heard, he acted upon what he heard. And then what did the Bible say? The Bible said then he saw a hand as of a man's hand. And what do you think he saw? He saw the fivefold. Man, a man's hand has five fingers. Five fingers. If you ever look at, at any images of the fivefold, they always compare it to a hand. Am I making sense in here? So, so what he was seeing is that he was seeing the prophet, he was, seeing, uh, he was seeing the apostle, he was seeing the teacher, he was seeing the pastor, and he was seeing the evangelist, and they were pouring out blessings. They were causing the drought that's in the land to be water. He was causing rain to come on the dry place. So if the dry place is going to be water, it's going to have to be done through the hand going to have to be done through the fivefold. I'm making sense in this room. Hallelujah. So we have to understand, and I'm closing now, we have to understand that, you know, that God is calling, calling us and causing us to change the atmosphere. 
all right, to change the atmosphere and that we have the ability to go through dimensions and we, has, we cannot be stuck in one dimensional thinking. Hallelujah. And that's what tradition will do because every traditionalist has a form of self-righteousness. That is not the scripture. That is misinterpretation and taking one scripture. We have to take the whole, we have to take the whole Bible before we can come and, and make a, a uh, you know, a, um, a, 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 a truth. We have to take the whole scripture, the whole Bible. And so we have to understand now that God is calling for in this hour, in this time, in this year 2012, for his government to be restored back into the earth to the church. And it's only going to come through the apostolic authority. And I'll just give you this quick testimony. I preached a few months ago at this, um, at this event, and, um, you know, and it was like a lot of, a uh, lot of like, um, let me see, a lot of the, the forefathers of the area were there, and a lot of, you know, a lot of preachers. And, and um, so, you know, and, and I was preaching, and, and, you, and I know what was happening. I mean, the, the anointing was so heavy in the place that there was, this, there was this one pastor that, you know, when I talked to him the next day, he, he, was, he said, Pastor, I wanted to call you at 2 a.m. in the morning. He said, you just had me spark. He said, I, he said, I can't call this man. He, I can't call him at no 2 a.m. in the morning. He, he couldn't even sleep. Uh, uh, one older guy came up to me. He says, you know, he says, one thing you did, he said, you made a lot of us go back home and study. Now, now, now I want you to understand, and I'm not saying that because of anything that I did. I want you to understand something that uh, Minister Brown kept saying, where is Bishop Hutchinson? That's, not, that's not the apostle of the house. She's, you know, where's Apostle Hutchins? She kept saying, Apostle Hutchins here. She kept looking for him, thought he was here, thought he was actually in the house. And, what, and he wasn't there. But his mantle was there. Because what was going on is that, and what we found out later is that he was actually fasting and praying for me for that day. And because of that, I was able to travel. Y'all, some of y'all was there. I was able to travel into different dimensions and pull things out. Amen. Amen. And make an impact upon the kingdom, but it only came because of my obedience or my, my uh, excuse me, my, uh, what's what I'm looking for? My submission to God's government. I wasn't raised in this. This, is, this was foreign to me. It was, it was foreign to me, but I knew it was God because I found it in his Bible. Amen. And I said on Wednesdays and on Wednesday that God is calling us now to know the mysteries of the kingdom. In the mysteries of the kingdom, the Bible says, uh, you know, and I, I'm not I'm not preaching tongues as salvation, but I, but but the Bible says Paul says that when you speak in tongues, you speak in mysteries. So it, it's important. Tongues is important. Amen. It's important to understand mysteries of the kingdom. We got to be able to speak mysteries. Amen. Amen. Everybody stand.